Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, welcome back. We got a movie for you this week. This week we are talking about the 1994 sci-fi slasher Brain Scan. The script was originally written in 1987 as a kind of Videodrome-like story centered around a VHS tape. That that seems, yeah, I could totally yeah. see that. But then... The internet was opened up to commercial traffic in 1992. Remember, that's when Al Gore invented the internet. Oh, yeah. And uh, AOL and that guy. Yeah, soon after that, AOL started filling everybody's mailbox with CD-ROMs, and so the script got changed. That's funny, like that whole thing with uh, Videodrome, because the the movie seems like Videodrome if it was directed by the guy that did Lawnmower Man. Yes. It's it's got that kind of like weird early CGI lawnmower man feel or something, right? And it's got like the I don't know. It's just I, I'm going to be biased, right? Because yeah, when it came out in '94, right? I was the market for this fucking movie, and so <laughs> they hit me and they hit me hard. And uh, I love this movie, but to me, it's it's more like the time capsule of shit from my youth, you know. So um, yeah. I'm going to be pushed to it. And uh, also, exactly. I feel exactly the same way. I did not like this movie, except for the fact that it's filled with so much old tech and it has a really good soundtrack. That's it. Yeah. But it, I like this reminds me of like some kind of a, a really elongated tale of a TV show that I would watch, you know, like uh, those anthology horror shows, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it I has like that, that kind of like uh kind of like Tales, a, from, the uh, Tales from the Dark Side Outer Limit kind of thing. Yeah, but like really just really 90s. Yeah, it's all 90s all out too. Um no budget info available for this movie, but it made just over 4.3 million dollars at the box office and it was released eventually on Blu-ray as a double feature with Mind Warp. That's cool. I know that they pushed it and pushed it, and I, I remember reading about it and like Fangoria magazine. Wait, till this movie comes out; it's gonna be awesome. And like yeah. it was only like theaters for like two weeks, and then just bam. But it was like immediately released on VHS, so I didn't have to wait too long to see it. Right. But uh, yeah, it was one of those that just kind of like, oh yeah, I remember seeing that uh, commercial like, you know, on TV and then like, I never saw the movie or something, but yeah, yeah. apparently, apparently the commercial was the best part of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> the commercial had like more music that wasn't like actually in the movie. So it was like, okay. Like I remember like a white zombie song in the fucking, the trailer. I don't, like, I don't even think it, it, there's like maybe one or two actually licensed songs in the movie, but the rest of it's just like shit to slap on a soundtrack and sell it. Right. Uh, movie's rated R, an hour and 35 minutes, but it kind of feels longer. Uh, the pacing and, is a little weird. Yeah, and it's got a 13% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Variety said 
it's a rare teen horror movie that can be faulted for excessive restraint, but Brace, Brain Scan may be too tame for the creature feature fans and slasher devotees who will be drawn in by its ad campaign. Yeah, see. Uh, and, also, and it's it is it's a very mild slasher movie. It's right before Scream. You get that okay. weird little window before Scream, and like the slasher genre picks back up and shit. You know, they right. tried to like. I mean, they still made slasher movies and shit, but like until Scream in the nineties, you didn't get that like that resurgence of horror where it was like, oh hell right. yeah, that's how you get slasher. And Daniel Barnes wrote, Brain Scan offers a grab bag of intriguing ideas, but the pieces never fit together. Even without the clumsy execution, though, no film could overcome Eddie Furlong's complete lack of charisma, energy, talent, and screen presence. Damn. <laughs> yeah. So, number one, they didn't like that the movie was so mild for a, for a slasher film. And number two... Nobody likes Eddie Furlong. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, in, spite of the, in spite of this, though, it's got a 60% audience score. And like I said, it's probably because of nostalgia for the tech and the 90s soundtrack. Yeah. Soundtrack features Primus, White Zombie, Butthole Surfers, and Mud Honey with a title theme by George S. Clinton, not the Parliament George Clinton, the yeah. uh, Austin Powers and Mortal Kombat George Clinton. And his music in this, like, kicks ass. Yeah, it's really good. Like the, the whole score is, like, really good. Uh, really 90s kind of psychological thriller type shit that they play, you know, in, like, uh, TNT movies and shit. Like, oh, man, that's great. Yeah. Movies directed by John Flynn, who directed Rolling Thunder. He also directed Lock Up with Sylvester Stallone and Out for Justice with Steven Seagal. This is what I thought was really interesting because the makeup was really good in this movie. Uh, makeup effects by Steve Johnson's XFX. They're the people who did makeup effects for Ghostbusters, Species, The Abyss, The Stand, Outer Limits, Stargate SG-1, and Chris Angel's Mind Freak. Yeah, these guys rock. I remember, yeah, like I was saying earlier, uh, that, that, that um, Fangoria issue. Yeah. And that, that was such an eye-opener. Like, I loved that magazine growing up and shit, and I would, like, go to, uh, oh, man, what was it? It was, like, on Main Street, that supermarket, you know? And uh, yeah. I would just go there and, like, read an entire issue. and then like, Oh, back the, when it was the H.G. Hills? Yeah, the Hill Store, yeah, way back in the day. And, uh, yeah, man, it was like, uh, I don't know, it was just great. It, it just, yeah, I, I wait for this fucking movie to get out. And then, yeah, like, it was like, it, it's not coming out. I was like, what the fuck? And, uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, not like a year or two later seeing it and like, oh man, yeah, that's that movie on the video store. I'm grabbing it. Yeah. Movie stars Edward Furlong as Michael Brower. He was John Connor in Terminator 2. That's the Hasta La Vista baby kid. <laughs> he was in Pet Cemetery 2, Detroit Rock City, Absolute Killers, Star Trek Renegades. Director John Flynn did not like working with this kid. Oh, hell no. <laughs> no, he says, Eddie Furlong was a 15-year-old kid who couldn't act. You had to slap him awake every morning. I don't want to get into knocking people. But I was not a big Eddie Furlong fan. That's the director. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and and honestly, looking at some of the stuff, it seems like even the director gave up and said, "Yeah, that's as good as it's going to get. Let's just use that." Also, like he's the youngest person in this movie. All yeah. the other kids in this movie are like in their twenties, and he's like actually like you know fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's fucking weird as shit. Everybody else is like pulling great performances, even like I don't know, made for TV movies like a Lifetime movie or something. They're pulling great performances, and then you got this kid just kind of like you know being a snarky little shit, major right. attitude. And that makes a lot of sense too, because there's a uh, a scene that tries to get steamy, but it can't because, well, the girl's 21 years old and the guy's only 15, so that's kind of a problem. Yeah, it just comes <laughs> off like really uncomfortable. We'll get to that. Yeah, T. Ryder Smith as the trickster. He is mainly a stage actor. He appeared on Broadway with the company that made Warhorse. And the he appeared in the 2009 revival of Equus opposite Daniel Radcliffe. He was on Broadway with Harry Potter. All I know is uh, he's been in like every Bioshock game. Yes. And he's Baron Underbite on the Venture Brothers. And I fucking love that show. And he's great he on is, it. Yeah. He appeared in a number of broad, on Broadway and off Broadway avant garde plays on TVs. He he's been in Bull Elementary, Blue Bloods, and Law and Order SVU. He was the voice of Baron Underbite, and he has been Sander Cohen in Bioshock. Yeah, he's great, great voice. Actor. I love that game. I love that cartoon. I love Venture Brothers. I hate the makers of the Venture Brothers for half-assing the making of Venture Brothers. Say what you want. I don't care. They killed Venture Brothers. I'm going to stick with it as like the, the Time Warner killer. Because like they, if you just give them well, enough time, they come out with a season. Dude, they went eight years trying to make five, six episodes and couldn't. They couldn't. So Matt, Matt, uh, uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker. They turn out an episode of South Park in a week. These guys couldn't make an episode of the Venture Brothers in eight fucking years. Yeah, they didn't they, care enough about. We cared more about the cartoon than the makers of the cartoon did. I don't know. I love them. I, I, I'm gonna miss them. <laughs> I miss you guys already. I wish you were back. Did you see the movie yet? No. They did a movie. The the like the bookend of the movie. It was alright. I liked it. Okay. I, I might have to I, look it up. I thought it was going to be a little bit bigger, but. I mean, like I said, we obviously cared more about Venture Brothers than the people who made the Venture Brothers. Go Team Venture. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Frank Langella as, as Lieutenant Hayden. He is primarily a stage actor. Achieved success guy. in New York on stage in Seascape. Then he played the title role in the Edward Gorey production of Dracula. He achieved international fame when he played that exact same role when they adapted Dracula to the big screen in 1979. He continued to do TV, appearing in Mannix, Marcus Welby, MD, and three episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine as Minister Jaro. And occasionally he does movies. Uh, he appeared in Frost Nixon, The Trial of the Chicago 7, and The Box, but he's primarily focused on stage. I was going to say his best role 
with Skeletor and that god awful canon production of He Man. <laughs> that shit fucking like to this day, he's like the best part of that fucking movie. Nice. Yeah, he did. He did like he broke most of the like his dialogue and shit for that. He had to like send like hours, like upon hours in a makeup chair. So his performance is like through like this layer skull mask. Oh thing. my god, I can only imagine how long that took to put on. But yeah, no, nah, he sold that shit, man. He was the best part of that fucking movie. Uh, oh yeah, always had my thank and respect for that. But yeah, he he does great work. He's a great actor. I love him. Yeah, he, he's Dracula. He'll always be, like be the best Nixon. I think he comes off really flat in this movie, though, and I think honestly that the script and the directing. That and just like the era, you know. I, well, yeah, yeah, no, it's like the your your protagonist is like a fucking kid, right? Right. And so, like, and he's like an adult cop, so yeah, you know, yeah. Of course, he's just gonna be this flat, and he's like, man, that guy just doesn't get me, you know. And I'm gonna get on my skateboard and get out of here. Yep, but you know, he's got that perpetual "what the fuck is wrong with you" look. Yeah, he's got that, that scowl. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's a perfect yep. scowl. And Amy Hargraves as Kimberly. This was her film debut. She went on to have recurring roles in Homeland and the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why. Movie opens with a flashback that is of absolutely no importance to the story. Just to know that uh kid had, like, trauma. Right. You know, that's about it. That's like, that's it. Yeah, kid is on a gurney being wheeled through the hospital corridor. You know that because you see the fluorescent lights passing by overhead. This is actually an older kid having a nightmare. It appears there was a single car crash in the rain, and he has badly mess mangled up his knee, and apparently his mom is dead. This will come up once at the end of the next school day, and it won't be mentioned again. Uh, the kid is sedated for surgery. We get a flashback in the flashback as the injured kid finds his mom dead on the side of the road. And then the phone rings and wakes up Michael Brower. And he examines the scar on his knee to make sure it's really healed up, I guess. <laughs> there is really no reason for this, like you said, to explain that there's some trauma. But but that's it. Yeah. Trauma. Also, why is this kid always home alone? Why are there no adults in his life? And so this explains why he, his mother isn't around. His mother's dead. So we'll get that part out right now. Yeah. Uh, Michael has a digital assistant on his computer, a digital assistant named Igor that informs Man. him of incoming calls. I love Igor. Man, I wanted this shit so bad when I was a kid. That whole fucking room is pimp. Yeah, this was 16 years before Siri existed. Uh, it's an 8-bit computer graphic uh, interface that reminds me a lot of Microsoft Bob. Yeah. Uh, Microsoft Bob would actually be released the year after this movie and was inspired by Jane, which was a graphic interface for the Apple II and Commodore 64. Also Microsoft Bob was had a lot of potential. It, it was just... If it had come out further into the uh, Web 2.0 era, maybe it would have done better. The voice of his Igor, the little guy, is yeah. uh, the trickster. Yes. And it's a good Igor voice. Yeah. 
it, it really fits like something like if you're gonna program it, it sounds like some like you would hear like an old ass like 60s halloween cartoon or some shit yeah well the call is from michael's friend kyle who's calling to tell him about an ad for an interactive video game called brain scan and it's an ad for the game that he saw in the latest issue of fangoria fuck yeah fangoria <laughs> product placement uh now, this guy is buddy kyle uh yes pretty much made his living off of playing dude bro in commercials and movies like this and yes when the 90s came and he lost his hair his, his career pretty much dried up <laughs> yeah he, he gets a little bit part here and there and that's about it now if the dead mom flashback was intended to make us care about michael the next scene completely undoes all of that by showing michael perving on the teenage girl next door as she undresses oh yeah this yeah no uh if anything bad happens this kid you know like he earned it now you like you don't care about your protagonist anymore it's like eh, this guy's a jerk his buddy's cool but this guy's a jerk and it's like yeah it's hard not only not only is he just peeping he's got his video camera set up and he's streaming this to his computer yeah it's like perfect uh focused and shit tripod pointing at everything you know it's fucking creepy as shit. Yeah. Of course, they make it look like she knows he's watching and she wants to be seen. Still creepy. Uh, yeah. Just no amount of victim. No amount of victim blaming is going to make peeping okay. Just just, just go past this part. Can we never show this part again? <laughs> <laughs> they got that 15 second button on fucking TV for a reason and. This is like maybe one of those reasons like yes. why that was installed. Yeah. This is this is part of the R rating because they do show bare breast. And so that's that's uh but the, remember this boy was only fifteen when they made this, so they can't have the two of them in the same shot together with her nude. No. They're probably not in the same neighborhood. Right. <laughs> Although, man, I know they filmed this in Canada. Right. Right. And made it look like the U.S., but man, that house that he's in is fucking sweet. It's like a little castle-looking house. It really is, yeah. Like, man, that's dope as hell. And the way they shoot it, though, I mean, when they show the house from the front, there's nothing around the house. But when he's looking out the window, his neighbor's pool is like in his backyard. Yeah, the that 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 the back the the back. So the geography of the uh-huh. neighborhood is all kinds of fucky. Yeah, and it's supposed to be like uh, Pittsburgh or New Jersey, but it like looks clean as fuck, you know? <laughs> oh, this yeah. is Canada, USA land. Okay. Well, Michael tells Igor to call Kimberly, but then he hangs up before she answers. Then he tells Igor to dial the number for brain scan. The number for brain scan is 1-800-555-FEAR. He thinks he's reached an answering machine, but he's kind of surprised when he finds out that it's actually a live person. This, again, is the trickster. Oh, yeah. The person on the phone tells Michael about the interactive nature of brain scan as Michael watches the Three Stooges short disorder in the court with the volume turned all the way down. Uh, this is <laughs> the only thing I like about Michael is he's a Three Stooges fan. I will always be a Three Stooges fan. I don't care what anybody says. Always. I like the Three Stooges. I don't know. I was like, I like the Marx Brothers. 
See, I never really got into the Marx Brothers. I I was like six years old, and slapstick is hilarious when you're that little. So yeah, yeah, they would show they would show Three Stooges early in the morning as I was eating breakfast, um, right before Popeye came on. So that was that was my morning. Yeah, like every Saturday morning, AMC would do like the Saturday morning Stooges, and yeah, Yeah. it was like four hours of that shit. Well, apparently this game is determined by the player's subconscious. Michael is is skeptical, so the TV just zaps the shit out of him. And it's just the um, it's like uh, watching the little th thx promo at the beginning of the movie. You just get flattened out by the, by the sound. Or yeah, like those old uh, what was it Max L commercials yeah. where the kid's like sitting in the speaker thing and it's just like shit's blowing yes it's exactly them. like that yeah then the man on the phone says it has been decided that michael will play death by design and that the first installment will r- arrive soon and then he hangs up cut to the horror club at school michael and kyle and the rest of the club are watching a film called death 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 part two. Oh man that was a good one i can't believe it- they made book into a movie well it's actually the 1973 film the dracula saga yeah which is a story about count dracula's pregnant daughter and her husband they have come to dracula's castle so that she can have her baby and while they're there her husband is carrying on a number of secret affairs with count dracula's resident brides that sounds spicy so there's going to be some killing of people The principal walks in and interrupts the movie, then summons Michael to his office. He is not pleased with the choice of films. And he wants to understand why Michael watches these movies. Uh, Michael says it's an escape. And then the principal just goes old man on him, asking him if it's like lighting a marijuana cigarette to escape reality or watching (laughs) a pornographic film and getting an erection and raping someone. That, I swear to God, this, it feels like it's about to go into a Twisted Sister music video at this point. <laughs> D. Snyder's just going to kick the door open and like Nine Inch Hills and shit and just like you know, piss all over this guy's desk. <laughs> well, the horror club is banned until Michael brings in the next videotape or video game for the principal's approval. Nothing gets shown as part of the horror club unless the principal says it's okay what a dick on the way home michael encounters a fatal car crash it appears that a driver in a car apparently hit and killed a bicyclist and the memory of his own car crash experience comes back this is the first time we see lieutenant hayden he is the cop on the scene and he says that if michael doesn't live in this area and doesn't know the people in the crash and this is none of his business, and he needs to go on home. So this is where, like, if you're, like, a smart, if you watch a bunch of stupid, cliched bullshit, I guess, I don't even know, you have to be smart to do that. But this is where you, this, you start, this is where they're dropping clues. Like, why yes. would you meet your main protagonist before, like, you know, the shit starts? That, I right. don't know. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. But it's, like, it's weird they introduce the cop now. Right, right. So we know that there will be friction between these two for the rest of the movie. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, 
you know those old movies where a character would come out and then it would freeze and then show a title card for them yeah or like if you if you play borderlands whenever a mini boss comes out they stop the game and have like an introduction cue card scene yeah right it's just like that it's like yeah cop man boom, boom. yeah exactly dong dong yeah <laughs> <laughs> just put that in there dong. back at his house michael collects the mail which is all for his father except for one envelope marked brain scan hell yeah uh, while he's sorting through the mail michael listens to a voicemail from his father who explains that he is on a business trip and will not return for a few days so now we have fully explained why there are no adults in Michael's house. Yeah. Uh, totally. But everybody, everybody, everything has to be spelled out explicitly in this movie. There's no no assumption, no figure it out as you go. It's going to be spelled out in very clear terms, step by step for us. It was a horror movie for like teenagers. That's true. So it's like, yeah, I mean. Well, oh, what are you going to do this weekend? Oh, we're going to go to the old scary house at the end of the hill, you know, and why are you yeah. doing that? You know, eh, you know, because my parents yeah. are out of town for the weekend and I, I plan to get murdered, you know, <laughs> it's like that. Um, but yeah, I, I relate to that. I think that this, that was the whole point of this is, is like kind of this kid's a latchkey kid. He's a creep. No one really likes him. He's got his weirdo best friend who's lower on the totem pole because he's like probably has a substance problem. You know, right. it's this guy is a Beavis and Butthead kid, but with a rich dad and no mom. Exactly. Exactly. That night, there's a party next door at Kimberly's, but Michael is not attending. Instead, he's going to play Brain Scan, and he instructs Igor to hold all of his calls after calling the toll free number for Brain Scan. When he does that, Kimberly tries to call, but she gets a busy signal, and Igor saying, Master is busy. <laughs> like on repeat, too. Yeah. It's creepier when it does that repeat shit. It's like yep. he's, uh, I don't know, glitching out or something. It's like, I don't know, crying on fucking uh, Red Door for shit. It's like, you know, when they glitch. Now, Crichton, remember yesterday's class? An introduction to insults? Oh, I'm not sure. Now, how do we describe the gentleman who's just been on the screen? He's Mr. No, 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 come on. He's a... He's a smee. He's a smee. He's a... He's a smee. He's a... He's a smee. Well, Michael is getting instructions for brain scan. The game will alter his reality by using the television's blanking signal. Throw in some tech terminology, even if it's not appropriate, and we'll we'll buy it. Yeah. No, yeah, no. Uh, same thing with Star Trek. They just start talking about, like, fucking gravity fields and shit. My brain turns off. I was like, oh, they know exactly what they're talking about. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is a choose-your-own-adventure murder-style game. Um, <laughs> just like any good video game, it puts the message up on the screen, press play to begin. So he does, and he is immediately hypnotized by the flashing TV screen and transported through the standard wormhole video scene. And then the game becomes a first-person view of a home invasion with audio prompts. It, yeah, it's like classic slasher, you know, point of view thing with, uh, right. and it's got, yeah, it's like this creepy, like, I don't know, PBS murder mystery 
uh, narrator. And uh, it's not a video game at all. It's, it's it, I mean, it's no. like a video game if, if you like play Sega CD or some one of those early CDI Philips Interactive bullshit. Yeah, it's like that if you think that's or miss. It's like that kind of game. But, you remember? Uh, you remember that old arcade game, Dragon's Lair? Oh fuck yeah, Don Bluth and, and shit. And so as you, yeah, it was it was the first ever video game that was stored on a laser disc instead yeah. of on a chip. And, you know, every time you're going through tunnels on, you know, when you're floating through down the river on a barrel or whatever, and you got to choose this fork or la- that fork, and the correct one would flash real quick. Well, this is the same thing, except you got Trickster whispering it in your ear instead of it lighting up on the screen. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Well, he gets into the house and steals a knife from the kitchen, a big-ass knife from the kitchen, and heads upstairs where a man is sleeping in bed and a cat is sitting nearby watching. He puts the knife to the sleeping man's eye, but then he hesitates, and the guy kind of rolls over in bed uh, the way a kid who's trying to pretend he's asleep would roll over in the bed. (laughs) Like, flinging that arm way out there, rolling over. <laughs> uh, but he doesn't wake up, so Michael just stabs him repeatedly in the back. That wakes him up. He stumbles out of bed and rips down the curtains, makes the required bloody handprint on the wall, and knocks over a bookcase before falling unconscious. Uh, the game prompts Michael to make sure he's dead, so Michael kind of nudges him with his foot. That's not how you make sure somebody's dead. Then. He needs to take a souvenir, and this guy's got a tattoo on the top of his foot, so Michael's going to cut his foot off. Soon as he starts cutting the foot off, we discover, sure enough, he's not dead, because he wakes the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) And Michael elbows him in the face, knocking him out again, and then finishes cutting off the foot and leaves with it. And the last thing we hear is the game telling him to be sure to put the foot in a safe place. Back to reality, Michael wakes up to discover that he completed the game within the time limit. It does tell him that bad things would happen if he didn't uh, if he didn't do it within the time limit. He's excited about how intense the game was, so he gets a glass of milk, which he drinks very, very sloppily. You know, kind of the way the girls in the porn videos drink milk. Oh my god. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like if I drank a beer or something. It's just it's all over his chin and shit. Also, like, all how over. long is he playing that game? Like in a uh, couple hours? That milk's been almost out an hour. Time. Yeah, yeah. He got out some milk and cookies, like right beside a game chair. And uh, he he's a kid. Game. He can't drink anything but milk. Milk drinker, <laughs> loser. Then he heads to the window, looks at the party, closes the window and turns up the music in his room. Next day, Michael is telling Kyle about the game. He's really excited about the realism, but he can't remember anything about the story. Uh, Kyle wants to play it, but Michael kind of stalls him, and then a cop flies by with the weirdest line in the entire movie. Michael looks at the cop car flying by and says, What's their problems? (laughs) 
Back at home, Michael loads a CD-ROM in in a CD-ROM caddy into the drive. This was actually the last year that this type of CD drive was actually made. When they made these, the CDs were really, really fragile. They would they would scratch if you breathed on them. Yeah. And so the idea was that when you got a CD-ROM, you would immediately take it out of its jewel case, put it in the caddy. It would live in the caddy forever and you would never have to touch it again. Problem <laughs> is, nobody did that. No. They had one or two caddies and they would just swap the discs out as they needed to. Well, eventually they started making the CD-ROMs out of scratch-resistant material. And the very next year after this movie, the first retail uh, CD-ROM drives with the retractable tray came out. And then everybody got a little script on their computer called uh, Cup Holder that when they clicked <laughs> it, would eject the CD-ROM tray. <laughs> I remember that too. <laughs> Michael instructs Igor to call BrainScan, but he only gets static on the TV. So he goes over to Kimberly's house to talk to her, and her parents are super bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> he, says, he says, hi, uh, could I come inside and talk to Kimberly? Yeah, sure. Come on in. Walks into the living room. Like his mother is, her mother is there and she could hear all of this. And Kimberly's dad looks at his wife and says, he's here to talk to Kimberly. <laughs> <laughs> like weird ass. Like uh, an accusation. <laughs> no, but they're like. They're like in a different decade or something. They're like in Ozzy and yeah. Harriet Land or some shit. Like they're so over the top waspy. It's like yeah. weird. It's really weird. Like on the news, Yeah. On the news, there's a story about a nearby murder. And with the video footage of the inside of the house, stuff that they would never actually show on the news. Yeah. Um, with details about the murder that they would never tell to the press. Like they zoom in on the fucking, they do like a fucking zoom shot on the fucking bloody handprint. Yeah, but it's crystal clear to Michael that this is the guy that he supposedly killed in the video game. And Michael starts freaking out. He says, oh my God. And Kimberly's mother looks at him and says, did you say something? <laughs> how dare you speak in my house <laughs> like in retrospect is is crystal clear right now what's oh, yeah. going on yeah yeah so it turns out that the murder in the video game probably was real dun, michael dun, freaks dun. out yeah michael freaks out he tells kimberly's parents uh would you tell kimberly that i'll, I'll talk to her later i have to go and he runs out. When he gets back home, he's watching this news report in disbelief. The reporter says the police have no leads at all. But this is the first murder in this town. There's never been one before. I call bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Michael goes to the crime scene where a crowd has gathered. And he just walks through the police line and approaches the house where he discovers... Lieutenant Hayden. He's the only police officer in this neighborhood, apparently. <laughs> and <laughs> it's weird. He goes, oh, uh, sorry. He says, Why are you apologizing? You have nothing to apologize for. 
Or do you? Do you? Yeah. Oh man, that shit. <laughs> that's that's just Frank, man. His fucking delivery on shit like that, like it just take crap dialogue and make it like that's some shit from like Dragnet, right? Yeah, exactly. And he'll just make that work. He'll like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do it, you know. And then <laughs> turn around and just give you the Dracula stare and shit. Do yeah. you? Yeah, no, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. Well, he sends Michael home again. Back home, Michael remembers the voice in the game telling him to put the severed foot in a safe place. So he goes to check the freezer. And sure enough, there's a frozen severed foot in his freezer. <laughs> it's in a bag, right? No, no, it's just no, frost. It's just straight up in there. Just freezer oh, okay. burned on top of a Swanson frozen dinner. Yeah, that's... I mean, you got to throw all that food out, man. What are you doing? At least, like, put it in a bag, label it, you know? Yeah, otherwise you get the athlete's foot on your mashed potatoes. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) Well, there's a call coming in. It's the brain scan game, and a voice explains that he really did kill that man. Then the face on the screen emerges to form a person Standing in the room in front of Michael. I loved this effect. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, early CGI was hit and miss, and just that hit. That was really cool. Uh but this this effect was done by the same people who did the aliens at the end of John Carpenter's Abyss. Nice. So they they knew what they were doing. They were good at it. And I mean the video effects in this and the makeup effects, the makeup effects are fantastic. And and some of the video effects are really good, too. I said they used the standard wormhole video, and, and they did, but they kind of tinted it a kind of crimson. It, it was interesting. But it's the same wormhole that they use in sliders. Plus, like, that one part where, like, all right, his head's already formed, and it comes up, and then it just kind of, his neck barfs out his, like, guts. Yes. And then it quickly forms a body. That shit, like, really, I like. I really want to know what the fuck up was up with this creature. <laughs> you know, I got so pissed off at this movie because, like, you know, there's not a sequel or nothing, and it's like this guy was fucking awesome. He was. He was, like, he was fantastic. He's gonna be like the new Freddy Krueger and just went nowhere. Like, they should have kept on making these movies and just do it like as a. Um, I mean, anthology. the premise. The premise was fantastic most of the acting was really good the script was poorly written the film was poorly directed and the lead character couldn't act and unfortunately that was enough to kill a really good concept yeah no the concept was great this guy looks good i want to see more movies with this guy you know uh he was going to be the 90s Freddy Krueger and shit, and it just yeah. it went nowhere. Yeah. It kind of, the way the makeup is done and the, the deeply receding hairline, he kind of looks like Peter Weller. Oh, yeah, he does. Uh, I, I, to me, he looks like uh, there's this one 80s like, rock movie. I forgot what it was. Uh, but the bad guy's name was Sammy Kerr. And it was like a Halloween fucking horror movie from the 80s and it just looks like sammy kerr with red hair oh wow i don't know it, it's just uh yeah if you go back and like look pictures of sammy kerr it's like almost the same look except like the nose is different this looks like i don't know like his face is smushed 
But uh, yeah, I don't know if this guy's a demon or a vampire or what. I just I know I love him. I love his book look and his attitude. It was like totally nineties, you know. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. This is the trickster. He explains that Michael is responsible for the murder, and he goes over and he starts sorting through all of Michael's uh, music CDs and just tossing them onto the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you have anything good? And then he <laughs> takes the CD of his own out of his pocket and says, never leave home without it. He puts it in the CD player, and it's Primus. Welcome to this world. I love and, and the trickster starts doing his goofy dances. Yeah, uh, he he goes all out too. I mean, this guy he's a you know he's he's got the great face, he's got the great voice, and apparently he's a really good physical actor as well. He's got like this puckish like type thing to him, like he's just like this mischievous puckhead. Yeah, you know, like he's like he's oh I'm just like a little funny guy, you know. Don't worry about me, but you know. You you know like off the bat that's all bullshit and he does like just ripped your like he's playing oh, yeah. with you. This guy's pure fucking evil. Yeah, no, he's pure fucking evil. Well, Trickster knows details of the murder, but and he says he knows because he was there. Uh, Michael protests that it wasn't supposed to be real. Trickster is a complete psycho, and he wants to see who Michael will kill next because it's fun. Also. There was a witness, and Michael has to play part two of the game. He has to play the second disc to go back and kill the witness. Trickster was also a witness, but he promises he will never tell on Michael, even if they electrocute him. And so he gets electrocuted. Or if they break his fingers, and he just holds up his hand and starts breaking all of his fingers backwards. Or if they gouge out his eyes, which he promptly does to himself. That was a great effect. I don't, I, it's just... Yeah, yeah, that was a fantastic effect. However, he might crack if they subject him to country western music because everyone has their limits. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Hey, everybody has their limits. <laughs> I, I know how it feels now. Trickster says he really needs Michael to play the second disc of the game, and then he disappears. Cut to Michael heading through the woods with a bag and a shovel. (laughs) (laughs) He is digging a hole to bury this severed foot, but he's really bad at this, so he doesn't notice the dog that walks up behind him, noses through his bag, and steals the severed foot. I love that dog, man. Like (laughs) The dog's great. They set him up in the beginning of the movie, like he's just running through Michael's yard, you know? Yeah. During the credits and shit. And then you're like, oh, that's that's kind of ooh picturesque and shit. I wonder why that that dog just randomly. And then this happened. Yeah, you're right. He is like the dumbest bastard. Like it's like <laughs> if he was some butthead to try to do a murder. And it, this scene is just so funny out of context. It's like he's burying the foot. All right, and then this dog is staring at him with a foot, grossly <laughs> severed, realistic looking foot, hanging out his mouth. It's like, come on, buddy. Yeah, and it's a gets- very realistic prop. I love that bit. The dog wants the foot because when Michael starts towards him, the dog growls at him. And then he runs off because his owner whistled for him. Michael tries to reason with the dog and he promises he'll never ask for anything again if the dog just gives him the foot. So then the dog drops the foot and runs off to get his owner and bring him back. 
<laughs> no, man. He he chases the dog with the foot in his mouth, right? Yeah. And then, like, he of course he's got one knee out, so he's like, there's like this thing, right? And then he, the dog loses him, and then as he goes, ah, oh, shit, I lost the dog, fuck. And then the dog turns back, and he's just standing there with the foot in his mouth, like staring right. him in the eye, like I got you yeah. can't get me, you're sucker. And he's like, you little son of a bitch. And then he, the dog just drops the foot, and he's like, hi, I got the foot. And then dude in a windbreaker just comes by, like you know, Paul from accounting just comes by, and he's like, well, you got buddy, yeah. you know. And it's like, oh man, and it, the tension is so hot right there. It's oh like, yeah. Oh, this dog is nose to nose with Michael. He's about to expose him. Uh, but the guy who's with him, he doesn't see Michael. So he and the dog leave. Back home, Michael is burning the clothes that he wore. Uh, Kyle is at the door, but Michael is not answering. And when Michael finally does answer, it turns out that Kyle came over to check on him because Michael skipped school. Uh, Michael tells Kyle that he didn't go to school because he has mono. Because I guess when you're a teenager, everybody gets mono. Oh, yeah, especially in the 90s, man. Yeah. The the real world just came out, and, like, just everybody was spreading mono. <laughs> it was a time to be alive, and I'm very ashamed of it. Kyle is excited that they finally have a murder of their in their own neighborhood. He also wants to borrow the brain scan CD, but Michael gets pissed off that he keeps asking for it and slams the door in his face. Kyle starts ringing the doorbell nonstop, and when Michael opens the door again, it's just to give him the finger. <laughs> Kyle gives him a double bird and walks away. I thought we were pros, man. I thought we were pros. <laughs> Cut to metal music and a horror movie poster montage. The doorbell rings, and this time it's Kimberly. She brought Michael's homework and his mail. And as they're standing at the door talking, a cop is driving by real slow. <laughs> Michael makes some awkward small talk. Um, she also brought the school paper with, with for him. And there's a new brain scan CD in the mail. And then he asks Kimberly to leave, and she looks really disappointed. After she leaves, Michael apparently throws a tantrum and trashes the mail. And one thing about Michael, about, well, about Eddie Furlong, he's really bad when it comes to trash in a room because he just double hand down slap on something and that's it. Yeah, uh, he's tr I know he's trying to do like Rebel Without a Cause, but he's like really young. So he yeah. comes off whining. It's the worst table flipping ever. It, it's like, uh, <laughs> what's that guy's name? Did you ever see uh, Wet Hot American Summer? I didn't, know. Oh, God. Okay, never mind. No, I'm not going to even go there. <laughs> Michael is lying on the bed when a call comes in from Brain Scan. The trickster is back. He just appears in Michael's chair and says, I'm back. <laughs> very low key, very bored. I loved it. It is time to play the second disc, and Michael doesn't want to. So the trickster asks him what he's going to tell the police when they start questioning him. He has to play the second disc in order to get rid of the witness. Well, Michael says he trashed the second disc. What are you going to do about it? But the trickster is the trickster, and he magics the second disc out of thin air and gives it to Michael. It's sweet. Michael's, He's spinning it on his finger. Yes, like just spinning it on something. those long fingernails of his. Michael says he'll play it for the police, and trickster says, that's fine. Play it for the police. The real question is, are you a winner or are you a loser? 
Next scene, Michael is videotaping himself playing brain scan. <laughs> and we see him go through the wormhole, and then he wakes up sweaty in his chair at night, and the timer on the screen has stopped at 7 minutes and 23 seconds. Apparently, he played the game and doesn't remember anything. So he plays back the video, and once the game starts, he sees himself get up out of the chair and walk off, and he starts to freak out because he doesn't remember any of this. Then he goes to the freezer. He opens the freezer, and where the foot was, now his buddy Kyle's necklace is lying there covered with blood. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah, he tells Igor to call Kyle, but Kyle isn't the one who answers the phone because Kyle's dead. Instead, Lieutenant Hayden answers the phone. This guy's everywhere. Yeah, no, that, see, like this little shit like that was like, man, he's like everywhere, you know, and like now, like retrospecting and watching it and it's like, man, I'm, I'm surprised. That it, like, if you don't get the end of this movie. Something's wrong with you. Right. And, but yeah, nah, like super cops just there. And the way they shot him answering the phone, it's like he's like half covered in silhouette, just standing there, you know, and it's like his, his face is creepily lit in, in, in Kyle's house, you know, and he's like, right. hello, who is this? Who's there? You know, and it's like, ah, fuck, the jig is totally up. Right. Well, Michael hangs up the phone. Uh, Kimberly is at the door again. It's the next day, and she is there to comfort Michael after Kyle's death. She also has a petition that Kyle started to bring back the horror club, and, and Kyle had asked her to give it to, to Michael. It's got their little trademark buddies forever written there in the corner of it, kind of like their go-team venture. Yeah. <laughs> next thing we see is Kyle is Michael watching a news report about Kyle's murder. Trickster pops up behind Michael. Uh, he made Michael kill Kyle because Kyle was the witness. Not in the traditional sense. He didn't see the crime being committed, but he knew things about Michael, and that made him dangerous. Trickster is going to open up the freezer, and Michael doesn't want him to, and he's why? There's nothing in here but frozen meat. Trickster says Michael left a clue behind in the second disc, and that's when the doorbell rings. Trickster tells Michael not to answer this if he wants things to end, but Michael goes to answer the door. And Trickster, well, he settles in to watch the Three Stooges. Uh, Guess who it is at the door, Jesse? Hey man, okay, uh, I'm, I'm okay. I haven't no testing. Uh, I, I, I suck at test. Uh, I haven't studied. Is it the super cop? It's the super cop, Lieutenant Hayden, and his partner. I bet he's wearing sunglasses, too. Yeah, he definitely is wearing sunglasses. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so busted. Oh, shit. Oh, man. <laughs> they have some questions about Kyle's murder. They've been asking about Michael at school, and the kids described him as, what was that word they used? Uh, frightening. Yeah, frightening. That's the word they used. <laughs> I'm I'm going to lean. They did not lose. They yeah. There's nothing about that kid that is frightening. Frightening. They said he was frightening, strange, a freak. They show him yes, the yes. article in the school paper about Kyle's murder, and um, it includes a quote 
of what Michael told Kimberly when the two of them were alone. So apparently Kimberly can't keep her damn mouth shut either. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Hayden is pretty clear that he suspects Michael is is involved in this somehow. But him and his partner leave anyway um, as they're walking to the car. And this was just weird. As they're walking to the car, Lieutenant Hayden explains that there were fresh ashes in the fireplace. He could tell they were fresh just by looking at them. And it's summertime. No one lights a fire in the fireplace during summer. He was trying to get rid of something. And he ends up by the driver's door and his partner says, what are you doing over there? I'm tired of you driving 20 miles an hour through this town. Give me the keys. <laughs> I mean, they obviously staged it that way. I mean, the, the his partner had been doing all the driving throughout all of this, uh, but they staged this scene so that Lieutenant Hayden would be looking into the camera when he's talking. And that many had to be on the wrong side of the car, so they just came up with something, I think. Oh, yeah, no. Because the guy's got his hands out with the car keys in his hands. Yeah. Ready to throw it over to the, uh, the other guy. And yeah, right. it was all exposition and shit. Just to, like, wow, this kid's dumb. He'd like burn his clothes in his own fireplace. Didn't even like go off site to like burn that shit. It is like, no, nah, I'll just do it right here. Right. He's so dumb. How am I on the wrong side of my car? Yeah, plus it's just it to prove even more how much of a super cop this guy is. It's like, oh, yeah, no, those are fresh ashes, you know? Yeah. He's like one of those trackers that like can lick a rabbit turd and tell you where anything in the forest <laughs> is, you know? It's like... Mm, vegetarian. Yeah. Well, no shit, man. It's a rabbit. Come on. Upstairs, Trickster has trashed Michael's bedroom. There's floor food scraps all over the floor. He's eating mustard on bananas and a raw chicken. Yeah, no, the raw chicken is just like laying ass up in the dude's bed when he gets back up to, up yeah. to his room. Yep. The mustard on bananas was an interesting choice, though. It's not that bad. It's not that good either. It's, I mean, it's I, not that bad, but... It's better than my sister's cooking, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Your sister doesn't listen to this show, does she? Uh... I hope not. <laughs> uh, he reads the school paper, uh, which quoted Michael's confession uh, that he misses Kyle and Trickster enrages Michael when he says that Michael and Trickster are buddies forever. Michael tries to hit Trickster and the Trickster grabs his hand and makes a cut across the back of Michael's hand with his fingernail. Because apparently Michael is freaked out by the sight of blood, but loves horror movies and video games where you pretend to kill people. Yeah, which makes this even weirder that he ordered this game and is doing all this shit is not freaking out about it. But then like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that that was supposed to like maybe tag into like his seeing his mom covered in blood and being in that shit when he was a kid, maybe. And like somehow right. they cut it out and, you know. But we get yeah. that little scene, so. Well, Trickster gives him a choice. You can either play the game or you can kill yourself. He says that Michael is afraid to really live. So he makes him a deal. All you have to do is remove the clue. You don't have to kill anybody. 
Trickster disappears into the TV and Michael yells at him that he doesn't know what the clue is. And Trickster says he'll make a deal with him. He'll tell Michael what the clue is if Michael will agree that they're friends. And, <laughs> and so Michael agrees. Sure, we're friends. We're friends. And Trickster tells him that there are footprints left somewhere. And you know where you left them. You just need to remove them. Cut to Michael making out in bed with Kim. This is the scene we were talking about previous. Michael is fully dressed, including two shirts and his shoes. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Kim is in a in a little silk nightie. And just as things are about to get interesting, she turns into his first murder victim and starts strangling him, which causes Michael to wake up screaming. He was having a nightmare. Kim is at the front door, though. She's calling for Michael. And Lieutenant Hayden, well, he's sitting in his car out on the street watching all this with binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's a creepy fucker, too. It's like the worst Thursday ever, man. It's like, gosh, kid, man. <laughs> Woke up with this dream. And then this chick's like yelling at me. I'm like, all right, yeah, okay. And then I get downstairs and there's a cop. <laughs> That my best friend died. Oops, found out I did it. Oops, found out there's evidence. You know, it just it just keeps getting worse. It just keeps getting worse. Michael doesn't actually talk to Kimberly. He opens up his bedroom window, his upstairs window, and just throws the school newspaper out there at her. <laughs> and she tries to apologize. She said it wasn't her. It was Stacy. You know, like I said, Kimberly can't keep her mouth shut. She told Stacy what Michael had said, and Stacy put it in the newspaper. Go tell Stacy to fuck off. <laughs> and then he turns up the music so that he can't hear her. At the back door to Michael's house, Lieutenant Hayden just kind of lets himself in, creeps oh, yeah, through right. the living room to the fireplace. He, he's got a spoon and a Ziploc bag. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> this is where he goes after the fireplace. I forgot about that. Yeah. So he scoops up some of the ashes from the fireplace and puts them in a Ziploc sandwich bag because, you know, proper police protocol. Oh, no, man. He's super cop. He, he does that all that <laughs> shit. He, this is like uh, Van Helsing. And you know, all I'm going to do is kill little boys. He just kills teenage boys. That's all he does. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, then uh, Lieutenant Hayden slips back out. That night, Hayden is overseeing a neighborhood watch that could possibly be a manhunt, maybe. Totally a manhunt, man. There's like a bunch of dudes in like trucker hats carrying like rifles in the back. <laughs> and this is this is what's funny, because he tells him, he says, look, I understand a lot of you like to hunt. A lot of you have guns. If anybody sees a gun, if anybody, I see anybody with a gun, I'm going to deal with you personally, and I will arrest you for so much as a water pistol. But yet, he's, he's called him there to this, like, uh, basketball court to go get... That's another thing. Like, it's so ramped up at this part, right? To where yeah. it's, like, just... An, an, all right, murder in the neighborhood. Another murder in the neighborhood. And then the next thing you know, this cop and all these, like, you know guys with guns and pickup trucks are about to go like go after this like teenage kid like he's frankenstein yeah this is definitely villagers with torches and pitchforks yeah no i mean it is it, they're totally there's like uh every cop in town 
bust every redneck in town, you know, with a pickup truck and like eight or nine shotguns. Yep. It's crazy how shit's just getting out of fucking whack. <laughs> Michael is preparing to play disc three. Uh, all he has to do is find the clue. No killing involved. Once he's in the game, he is in Kyle's backyard and he starts obscuring some footprints that he left in a flower bed. That's when the phone rings inside the house and notifies. Is that the cop that is Lieutenant Hayden's partner? I think it is. Dun, dun, dun. That there's an intruder in the yard. So he goes out to investigate. I'm not sure what he was doing in the middle of the night in Kyle's room. I guess processing the the crime scene still. Yeah, no, nah, he's it, it, when it starts right before he answers his phone, he's like dusting for prints. There's like powder and he's got like one of those little dust things. And I remember just because I was like checking out all the like, because I like looking in these rooms, like in yeah. all the posters and shit. Yeah, he's just like doing dusting for prints and shit right there. Yeah, well, it's Trickster on the phone that tells him there's an intruder in the yard. So Trickster is setting Michael up. Big time. Yeah. Well, the cop goes out to investigate. He sees Michael and chases after him. Michael runs through the woods and the neighborhood watches nearby. They've got flashlights and dogs. So it is kind of a manhunt. Uh, Michael tries to sneak past. Uh, he's hiding in the brush and there's a security guard there who almost steps on him, but he sees a raccoon and assumes that was the noise he heard and just walks away. What the fuck? Michael takes off through a construction site, and a man grabs him. The man radios Lieutenant Hayden, but he's having trouble being understood. Hayden is being condescending as fuck and just assumes that this guy does not know how to use a radio. Turn the little knob on top. <laughs> <laughs> well, before he can get the message through that he's caught Michael, some scaffolding collapses and just dumps a load of bricks on top of this guy killing him. And Michael gets away. Michael runs into a house that is still under construction and decides to hide out in the basement. Remember that dog that found the foot? He's here, too. As they, as him and as some people, as the dog and some people arrive at a house, the dog heads straight in the basement and walks right up to Michael, finds him right away. Like, this isn't a good hiding place. I can see you. <laughs> <laughs> Michael says, look, I told you I'd never ask for anything again, but please, please just leave. And the dog looks at him, thinks about it, and turns around and leaves. Fucking dog. The dog's a better friend to Michael than Trickster ever was. I'm pretty sure Trickster is that damn dog because he shows up <laughs> in the movie. He might be. He shows up yeah. in the middle of the movie and he shows up at the end of the movie. But we, we go on. Well, a man comes around the corner with a gun and the neighborhood watch fella sh turns and shoots him. The guy that he shot is the cop that was chasing Michael. Yeah. Also, I want to say that the, the guy that first attacks him when he gets to the this uh building site yeah was that guy was his vice principal the one that like broke up his horror club to begin with so i don't, I don't think it principal. was i don't think it guy, was like, sweater it was it was some blonde blonde haired guy looked like boris johnson everybody looks like boris johnson <laughs> but then yeah like he fights a dog and then, yeah, then the cop comes around the corner, blows that guy away. And then, like, 
everybody like freaks the fuck out. Like all these guys that are hunting for a kid all of a sudden like just freaking the fuck out. Oh yeah, because they just killed somebody and it and it was not the kid. So Michael tries to slip off and a security guard catches him, says, What are you doing around here? And it's the same Michael is, ub, 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 ub. And he says, Didn't you hear? They just shot the killer over there. Now go home. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the security guard hasn't heard yet that they actually shot a cop. Well, no, he's still that he's that dumbass security guard. He doesn't have to work a walkie-talkie, yeah. so he's walking around with a flashlight. And Lieutenant but, Hayden shows up like a disappointed parent. <laughs> and despite all of his earlier bluster about arresting anybody with a gun, the only question he asks is, which one of you is going to tell his wife? <laughs> and then he walks away on his way home. Uh, Michael is spotted by Kim, who asks him what's going on. He doesn't say anything to her and just heads into his house. Trickster appears on TV and tells him that he made it. The neighborhood is covered in blood. It's a great success. Michael is worried that he's going to go to prison now because he's killed a bunch of people. And that's when Trickster tells him there was a witness. And in part four... He has to kill Kim. Next day, the police arrive to give Hayden the forensics report on the ashes and to confirm that the call to Kyle's house was actually Michael. Uh, the forensics report says that there were traces of blood that matched the first murder victim in those ashes because apparently blood cells don't burn. <laughs> At Michael's house, Trickster is in the TV. He wants Michael to kill Kim. Michael says he's going to turn himself in. He can't kill Kimberly because he loves her. But Trickster appears in the room to stop him. It's either she dies or Michael dies. One or the other. Very conveniently and helpfully, Kim just showed up at Michael's door. But he's not answering. Instead, he's sitting in his room staring at a blank TV screen. Later that night, Kim is asleep in bed. Michael puts the disc in to play part four. He tells Igor to dial brain scan. Igor does, and then very sadly says, Goodbye, master. That was the final step. That was the final key. Yeah. Yeah. So this just telegraphs Michael's going to die. Yeah. Next thing we see is Michael sneaking into Kimberly's house, and he picks up a letter opener. As he's creeping through the house, Lieutenant Hayden is outside the house in the woods because why would a cop go up to the door when he can sneak around in the bushes outside? Super cop. Super cop. They're always doing that shit. They're so sneaky. That's, that's true. Michael enters Kimberly's room and sees her asleep on the bed. He approaches with the letter opener and Trickster appears behind him, urging him to kill her, but he can't do it. So Trickster's going to do it himself, and he and Michael struggle. Trickster says that he is actually the murderous side of Michael. Michael and the Trickster are the same person. Michael stabs Trickster in the stomach. I loved this bit. And as he does, bloody tentacles shoot out and grab his hand, pulling his arm into the Trickster's abdomen. Uh, Then Trickster grabs Michael's head and Michael tries to gouge his eyes out, and the two of them start to merge in a really cool way. 
Yeah, that eye gouging scene again. That was it was better than the first eye gouging scene. Yeah, basically uh-huh. his arm gets sucked up to the elbow into the trickster's face. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a mix of uh, practical effects and CGI. You can tell the CGI. I'm not gonna. You know, yeah, you're gonna see. Yeah, it's it's really crappy CGI. But it, it's kind of a. It doesn't make sense, and it's a crappy effect. But I like it. Especially yeah, falls his head. Yeah, the noise of their struggle wakes Kimberly up, and she watches as the trickster's jaw kind of unhinges, and he just swallows Michael head first. And it's kind of bizarre, you know, it's not a practical effect. It is a it is a camera effect because his whole face stretches and then Michael's head stretches into the trickster's mouth. It's really awesome. Also, yeah, it's like it's got those like kind of scan lines, you know, that you, that you have on like yeah. uh, retro video. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Everything looks like a TV. Yeah. So it's like they're manipulating a TV image. It, it works for this character. It's, it's, really it's cool. great. It's a fantastic uh, effect. I love it. Well, Trickster is gone, leaving only Michael. One half of his face is kind of fucked up, though. And he's behaving yeah, he like, uh, very oddly. It looks like a Dark Jedi version of him. Yeah. Like, your eyes get golden, and then you get, like, weird uh, skin rash around your eyes, and you just look pissed off and, like, creepy. Well, Kim says that she loves Michael. She doesn't care what he's done because she loves him. She knows that he's been peeping at her from his window, and it's okay because she loves him. And, no, oh, by okay. the way, by the way, she's been secretly photographing him, too. So that makes this a felony for her. It's <laughs> just a bunch of creeps in this movie, man. <laughs> yeah. The fucking stoner bro was, like, probably, like, the only guy that really had, well, that and the, the guy that got probably. his foot chopped off. Yeah, I mean, those are, like, I don't know, man. That guy. Yeah, that was just a guy with off. a cat, you know, trying to trying to get a good night's sleep so he could go to his shitty job the next day. He had a really nice house. He he wore these like fancy pajamas. He looked like a drug dealer. I, I don't know. Like okay. Him. Yeah. Well, eventually Michael wins out over the trickster, and he is not going to kill her. And the trickster reappears in the room. Michael tells him, "You lost," and he says, "Maybe." But there's one last surprise. And he opens up the door to Kimberly's bedroom to reveal Lieutenant Hayden. Hayden walks in. Yeah. Hayden walks in, points the gun at Michael, calls him a murderer, and shoots him in the chest. That guy's been waiting all day to do that. (laughs) Yes. He's going to go Harry Callahan on this fucker. He started off as just like some detective working a case, and then... Slowly throughout the movie, he comes like uh, the guy from Moby Dick, you know, Captain Ahab. And like, then it's just, just, I hate this fucking kid. Kid, yeah, no. Then it's like, yeah, I, I just, I just want to go blow this kid. He fucked up my whole fucking case. <laughs> Fuck this kid. I got him dead to rights. Michael wakes up in his room. He knocks a microwave dinner across the room for some reason. The brain scan game apl- explains that this was. A powerful reality-altering feature of the game. This has all been a dream. And the game offers some relaxation techniques to help calm down because it knows this shit was really intense. They fucking did it again. They always do this shit. They're always Always. dreaming. It's always a dream. Always. That's what I was talking about. Like The way people are acting in this movie and the -the over-the-topness and shit, you, you should... 
pick up in the first 30 minutes, this is going to end in a dream thing. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like too simple. It's too, it's, and it's like, what is it? A thousand fingers of Dr. T. Willinger or whatever. Yeah. Or, uh, that when we did, uh, with the aliens come invasion, uh, invaders from Mars. Invaders from Mars. Yeah. It's like the kid's the narrator and he's like, he's an unreliable narrator because he's a kid and everything is like over the hype kid fears, you know? Right. So I don't know. They did it again. <laughs> they did it again. Outside the window, the party at Kimberly's house is still going on. Michael rages at the game and trashes his room. So I got some relaxation techniques for you. How do you like this? And just destroys all of his own stuff. But it's not that bad because as we saw when he destroyed the disc in the mail earlier, uh, Edward Furlong really sucks at trashing rooms. So, yes. So, <laughs> really fucked. He, he's only out like a chair and like uh, a TV dinner and a monitor. Well, he broke his desk lamp with his stool twice. He, he, sm he, smashed, he smashed the lamp and then he smashed some other stuff. And he came back and the lamp was unsmashed, so he smashed it again. Just thought, just thought that was a, a fun thing there. <laughs> yeah, we kind of knew. So they there. did a couple of takes of this. Yeah. And then he hears Kyle calling to him from downstairs. He runs downstairs and he's all excited because Kyle isn't dead. He says, I missed you so much. I love you. <laughs> and Kyle says, That's fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> the party's still going. <laughs> um also he's kyle saw something on the news about brain scan apparently it's hypnotic and caused a kid in texas to have an aneurysm so i wouldn't order that if i was you dude yeah <laughs> <laughs> me so michael has decided uh after going through this whole ordeal that he's finally worked up the nerve to ask kimberly out so they are gonna go over there and check him out uh kimberly is upstairs. Stacy tells him that she's up there with Taylor, the football player. Michael heads upstairs. Kyle decides to stay out here and flirt with Stacy. And Stacy's kind of into it. Upstairs, Michael finds Kimberly. She is not with Taylor. Um, Stacy was fucking with him. Uh, so Michael asks Kimberly out and she says, No, no, uh-uh. Then she says she'll think about it. But it's really not a good time to ask. And he just keeps on says, so, so you'll think about it? So like, not no? And she says, maybe. And then she kisses him and leaves. At school the next day, Michael stops in to see the principal. He brought a game that he wants the principal to review so that he can show it to the horror club. This game is called Brain Scan. Dun, dun, dun. As, uh, as Michael prepares to leave the principal's office, Trickster appears behind the principal. Apparently, Michael just set the principal up for the exact same experience that he went through himself. Nice. And roll credits. Oh, but wait. Credits get interrupted. Credits get interrupted, and we get a shot of the dog trotting across a tennis court with a severed foot in his mouth. Love it. He takes it to that castle house again. It's great. He takes it to Michael's house. Sets it front down in front of the front door and then waits like a good boy. That's good shit, man. And then roll credits. 
there were some really fun parts to this movie. There were some fantastic effects. There was great acting by a couple of people. Yeah. I can see why you like it. And I can almost I can almost get past Edward Furlong's terrible acting enough to really, really like parts of it. If they'd have got it someone a little bit older, you know, just to play a kid like they did his friend, I think it'd have been a great better movie. And imagine if they'd made this movie with Keanu Reeves. Eh. Or River Phoenix. I may I'd go maybe River Phoenix. Shit, there were so many people like around at that time that could have played that part better than him. Yeah. And uh, I think it, it not only was it his fault, like he was just getting burned out acting that way young because it's like T2, then Pet Cemetery 2, and then this, and then whatever the fuck they had and filming at the same time and shit. So he, right. he's probably just like done. But yeah, like they're like, oh yeah, we got to get out of it long, just attaching the movie because he's young and he's hot now and he's on all the magazines. Right. And um, he tested well with uh, young males in this demographic and shit, you know. And right. It's definitely like a really cool uh, thing where like a studio try to make a new IP horror slasher thing. Did a pretty good job. And because like a couple uh, actors in it suck. Uh, I'm looking at you, uh, the the main character and, and the love. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to fault the director for part of this, too. And I was going to say, and, and because the director probably didn't go in there uh, with his game face on and shit and did his, uh, you know, like the best job he could have done. Right. Because everybody else pretty much knew what the fuck they were doing, especially the effects department and uh, Frank LaJania. Like, that guy knew exactly what the fuck was going on when he came on. He's like, all right, yeah, no, there's no problem. I got this. Right. Um, dude bro, he's playing a dude bro. He's been doing it, you know, for a couple years now, so he knows what he's doing. That's what he does, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Great movie. Great time capsule of the uh, pre-Scream 90s. Because it's yes. like, this is like a dark thing in horror where like, man, we we know it sells. We just can't get these kids to buy anything. They're jaded and shit, you know. Bam, Scream comes out and then you get a resurgence in slashers and all kinds of shit. And then like the late 90s just flooded, flooded with that, that shit. That's it. All right, man, I think that's a podcast. Oh, yeah. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at CDFpod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to Patreon.com slash CDF Pod. Join us next time as we explore another movie's so awesome it probably shouldn't have been made.